The scripture reading is taken from the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5. I'd like to read four verses of scripture responsibly this morning. That's verses 12 through 15. As always, in respect to the reading of the word of God, if you're able to stand once again, I invite you to stand. Allow me to read verses 12 and verse 14. Would you read with me, please, verses 13 and verse 15. Once again, that's 1 John chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, and reading responsively. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. May God have his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, I pray that you take these words from your scripture this morning and speak to every heart of every child of God this day. Well, thank you for it, Lord. Bless in the junior church, bless in the beginner church. May all that we're here today, Lord, say it was a blessing to be in your house. We'll thank you for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I saw the president uh, this week and the first lady, and uh, they were at Blenheim Palace where Churchill was born uh, this past week. Of course, the prime minister was there and, and uh, her husband, actually, and uh, they, they did it on the bagpipes, Amazing Grace. And I thought, do those people know what they're listening to? That's a great song. And it is a wonderful song. Thank you, Allison, and, and uh, soon-to-be Grandma Diane, and uh, the, uh, Bruce and Amanda, of course, in, in Africa. Pray for them. And, uh, of course, Amanda's great with child, or soon-to-be great with child. She is with child, but a small one at the moment here, I believe. And, uh, and Allison is going back here soon to, don't tell me this is your last Sunday. Is this your last Sunday? you got a couple more. One more. And going back to, do you get to sing at your church there in Tennessee? You tell that little 3,000-member Baptist church, you tell that pastor that you're supposed to sing there. That's, that was great. Appreciate it. Choir did a fantastic job. That was the, the, uh, my, I think my favorite choir song was what they sang this morning. Looked, that was just tremendous, of course. And then tonight, look forward to tonight again, our last service with our, our only service this year with a college singing group. And I look forward to hearing the, I'm kind of partial. I like the Golden State Baptist College. Uh, Caleb kind of likes them too, I guess. But uh, we we'll look forward to hearing them. They always do a great number, a great series of numbers and songs, and, and uh, look forward to having the men's quartet with us tonight. 5 p.m., it'll be a special evening service tonight, so I expect to see you here tonight. Amen. First John chapter 5, 34th message. I got three or four more to go. We have three or four more to go. Every message is started with the, first, the same two words, as you notice. It's the key word of the book, the word know, K-N-O-W. We looked at four messages previously in the chapter five of this book, of course. We've seen in verses one through three, we said we, uh, we know the truth that I know God and his love brings confidence. It's a key word in our message or passage of scripture this morning. I know not only that God and his word brings confidence, but I know God's word brings victory, that we're more than overcomers through him that loved us. 
And then we saw one of the great cardinal, the great foundational cardinal doctrine in the Christian faith, of course, a few weeks ago now. And we preached a message from verses 5 to 10. I know Jesus Christ is God. And then last week, or two weeks rather ago, we preached from those famous verses, especially verses 12 and 13 of our uh, text here this morning. We preached a message entitled, I know I now, present tense, have everlasting life. I don't think I have life. I know that I have life. Now, with that said, I want you to notice again the key words of the book here is found in our two text verses, verses 14 and 15, that key word being the word know, and another key word, the word confidence. Notice verse number 14. And this, in fact, read it with me together, verse 14. Ready? Here we go. Ready? And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. We want to deal with the subject of prayer this morning. Asking, John Rice wrote the book, Prayer is Asking. And let me give you the in-your-face truth this morning to begin with. I know that the one true Lord and only God of the universe, and there's only one, clearly, no confusion, no, no uh, static interruption, no voicemail to get, that he clearly hears my every prayer. Psalm 27, verse number 7 reminds us, Hear, O Lord, when I cry, into, cry, uh, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. He clearly hears my every prayer. I was at D.C., I mentioned many times here, I was, on, I was watching news this past week and I saw at least two congressmen, senators, one senator and one congressman on national TV. And I said, I talked to that person. And uh, I talked to them, but uh, I talked to half a dozen and maybe a dozen or so congressmen, but not, that's very, not very many out of 535. We were rejected by a lot of congressmen that we didn't get to see because they weren't available that we wanted to see and talk to Tom Cotton and to Rand Paul and some others that we didn't get to see. But I didn't get an audience with them. But I get an audience with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords anytime I want to. I'm his child, I'm his son. And I want you to know that this in-your-face truth includes the fact that my God, the one and only God of the universe, hears my every prayer. But not only that, he invites me as my great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 Seeing then we have the great high priest which can be, which is, that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. We have a priest that we can come, the verse 16 says that we can come boldly into our thro- his throne of grace in our time of need. And so my in-your-face truth this morning is we, he welcomes us, our great high priest welcomes me to come boldly, boldly. Now that's not audaciously, that's not uh, pompously, that's not uh, uh, arrogantly, it's humbly. But I can come boldly to his throne of grace in my time of need. And so I want to give you my confidence this morning. It's the key word of the book. It's the word confidence is only found three times specifically, but we find the word boldness, which is the same exact Greek word that's used for confidence in our Bible here. And I want you to notice, in fact, as we begin this morning, turn back to a page in your Bible, to 1 John 2.28, look at it once again. The Bible says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have, what's the next word, help me out, confidence. 
We may have confidence and not be ashamed of him at his appearing. And then again, chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible says there, herein is our love made perfect that we, have, that we may have boldness. It's the same exact Greek word. This time translated or given to us in the word boldness in the day of judgment. I have confidence, I have boldness, and I know that he hears me, he heeds me, and he heals me. I'm going to give you the specific outline now as we dissect our text this morning here. Notice verse 14 again, chapter number 5, 1 John. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Notice that the confidence is in him. Notice this morning, first of all, to begin with, he hears me. I have a God that hears my every word. God hears everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's all omnipresent. Behold, the eyes of the Lord, Proverbs 15, 15, 3 says, Behold, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God hears every person's utterance. He knows our thoughts so far off. I know that God hears me. Psalm 5 and verse 3 reminds us, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. He knows our meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Psalm 22 and verse 22 says this, I will declare my name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I Praise thee. I want you to know two things about the fact that he hears me. First of all, he hears me in the midst of the crowd. We have, uh, I would guess that we're, right now, we're just, just below 100 people in the congregation. I, my guess is if I, Rich is up there counting right now, I'm going to guess he's going to count about 95 of you folks here. You have audience to listen to one person right now. That's what you've chosen to do. I'm the one that's talking, not you. But I remember specifically going down to Tennessee, or not, excuse me, not Tennessee, South Carolina. I was in a big Baptist church a number of years ago. We were there for a special conference, and I would guesstimate that there was probably six or 700 people in the auditorium. The preacher said, all right, it's time to pray. And he bowed his head and he began to pray. And then to my surprise and shock, this is a Baptist church, everybody started to pray all at the same time. I never saw that before. The person on the left of me was praying. The person on the right of me was praying. The person, people in front of me were praying. The people behind me were praying. Now, I, I figured out, oh, I guess I'm supposed to pray too. And so I started praying. And I prayed for a few seconds. And I'm not saying that their church was wrong or right. I'm just saying that's what happened. And here's what, uh, as they were praying for about 10 seconds, I prayed for about 10, 15 seconds, whatever. And then I said, it was so confusing to me that I could hear my prayer, but I could also hear the, the override of the pastor with the microphone. I could hear his prayer. And I was kind of listening as I was praying to the person left next to me, to the left and to the right of me. But within 15 seconds, I stopped praying and I started concentrating on one prayer. And uh, then the pastor finally ended in prayer and it was, it was actually a beautiful thing. Everybody prayed all at once. Do you know what? As Harvest Baptist Church meets this morning, just in Northwest Connecticut alone, there are at least a handful of, there's not a number of churches already meeting this morning that believe in the God of heaven, that are praying to God and preaching all at the same time, and God hears every sermon, hears every prayer, and he hears it distinctly, clearly, without, without any 
In the midst of the crowd, he hears everyone perfectly. God is, as Pastor Parmar was speaking about this morning, he's sovereign this morning. He was talking about the fact that he, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. If he's all-powerful, that means not only can he hear one prayer, but he can hear three prayers all at the same time totally clearly. And just like it's individual, he can hear 300 prayers, 3,000 prayers, 3 million prayers, 3 billion prayers. If there were 30 billion prayers upon the earth, you say, how sovereign is God? He's sovereign. He can hear everyone's prayer at, at once. Aren't you glad that God can hear your prayer? And your prayer is just as important, Christian, and just as soundly, clearly heard in the ears of God as my prayer. You see, he hears me this morning. I have this confidence. In the midst of the crowd, he hears me. But then I want you to notice, not only in the midst of the crowd, he hears me, but in the midst of my confusion, he hears me. You know, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Romans eight twenty six reminds us, he helps our infirmities. We had our men's prayer time yesterday. We had nine of us fellows show up for prayer and uh, for eight o'clock yesterday. And we prayed till 9.15. We tried to get done by nine o'clock just for the record. But we went over time yesterday. And we had some prayers that were upon our hearts. And we admitted there was at least a couple, three times during that prayer time before we went into prayer and even during our prayer that we admitted to God, Lord, we don't know how to pray. We're admitting, we don't know, hey, I don't know about you, but I've been there many times in my life. Have you been there? You really don't know how to pray. You don't know what the will of the Lord is, but you pray. And Asa said in 2 Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles, excuse me, chapter 20, verse number 12. Oh, our God, wilt thou judge, wilt thou not judge them? He's speaking about the Syrians, they were, in, they were encompassing Jerusalem and Israel and about ready to destroy it. For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Lord, we don't know what to do. We don't know how you're going to deliver. We don't know if you're going to deliver, but our eyes are upon thee. Lord, we don't know what to pray. I've been a Christian long enough, and many of you are veteran Christians. You could testify to this truth as well. You know, sometimes we pray and we pray our will to be done. We pray for what we believe to be God's will and it doesn't come to pass. We wonder what takes place. Well, I know this, that God hears me. The Bible tells me that he hears me. And I don't even know sometimes how to pray. And if you're honest, many times you don't know how to pray. You don't know the answer, but God does. And God, God tells us to pray and the, the Spirit himself make his intercession for, with our spirit. And uh, according to the will of God, First Romans 8 and, 29, 8 and 29 says. And so I am confident this morning that God, first of all, hears my prayer in the midst of the crowd. Here's my prayer, prayer in the midst of my personal confusion. But secondly, back to the scriptures, verse 14, 1 John 5. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And he, we have the petitions, verse number five, 15 says. Not only does God hear me, but God helps me. He helps me. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. Sometimes he's our only help. Sometimes always he's our all or all our help. Second Chronicles 14, verse 11 Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. 
whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest upon thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. Thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. He's our help. Psalm 24, verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes upon unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Listen, I just a sidebar. There's been a lot of news, world of news going on last week here and so forth. And uh, hey, I, I'm thank God. You know, I'm glad that we made a coalition in 1948. I'm glad that we made NATO. And I'm glad that uh, we have a coalition, so to speak. But I think America could take care of everybody all by themselves if they wanted to. But I, my hope is not in NATO. My hope is not in America. My hope is in God. And our country's hope is in God. And he ultimately is our help, our refuge, our strength, our high tower. He alone is who we trust in. In God we trust, not in our military we trust, not in our finances we trust, in God we trust. Not, even, not in our government, for sure we don't trust. We trust in our God. And so I want you to know that he helps me. Two things about that. Sometimes he helps. He's a friend, first of all. Psalm 27, 10 says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. He's a friend to the friendless. Let me be cautious here and kind at the same time. There's a number of you in this room that both mom and dad are gone. How many, if, how many have a mom and dad that are both gone? Yeah, look at those hands, many hands. Some of you have one mom or, or dad that are gone. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many had a dad or mom that were your physical, biological parents, but they were never really there for you? Don't raise your hand, please. I've seen many men, we talked, touched on it yesterday at men's prayer time, the nine fellows that were there didn't understand the context that we used it in, but I'm afraid, fellas, I'm not picking on you, but I'm just saying what I believe is Marty shot fact from years of observation now these last 30 or 40 years. There's many a man that has a male body and he's an adult in physique and physical stature, but he's still a child, I'm afraid, and I'm not trying to be harsh. He's still a juvenile in regards to his character traits and so forth because I'm afraid he never had a father to look to for an example. But I want you to know he's a friend to the friendless. He's a father to the fatherless, letter B. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows. He's God, he is God in his holy habitation. George Mueller, the great... can't think of the word. Uh, the, uh, he had uh, an orphanage. There it is. He had to, ran an orphanage in London, England. Took care of thousands of uh, orphan children. That was his favorite verse, Psalm 68, verse 5. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. And he, George Mueller practiced what he called a method of holy argument. And he used as his buttress and his, his text verses to explain what he believed. He used the verses where Abraham in Genesis 19, do you remember when he argued with God, so to speak, and God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom. Remember the story? And God said, if, I find, if, I find, if you find 50 righteous people there, 
Will you destroy it? And God said, no, I won't destroy it for 50. Abraham upped the ante. He says, will you destroy it if there's 40? Will you destroy it if there's 30? Will you destroy it if there's 20? You know the scenario. And then he got down, Lord, will you destroy it for 10? Lord said, no, I won't destroy it for 10. Holy argument. There's a time in the children of Israel in the wilderness experience that they God said, I'm going to let me alone. He's going to wipe out Israel. And God, Moses interceded for uh, the people of Israel. And God said, God, his spouse has repented of the Lord. Now the Lord knew all along what he was going to do. He's sovereign. Don't misunderstand. But holy argument where we pray and we ask God to intercede. Like Asa did, like Hezekiah did. That We have already referenced the verses. He helps me. He's our very present help in time of need. There's sometimes when no one, and I mean no one else, can be your help but the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're going through something and uh, the only one that can really help you, uh, we were visiting Miss Peggy yesterday, of course, Peggy Isley, and Peggy had that second hip broken. I don't think she'd mind me saying this. I'm going to say it anyhow, I guess. But Peggy's 82, and she wanted to go home to be with the Lord for the last 12 years since Jim, her dear husband, died of 50 years. And uh, she's, uh, the Lord is the one that's taking care of her, and the Lord is the one. Now, she's had some family members, thank God for that, and some friends in the church family. But I've been with many people that have no one and Peggy, Peggy's going to get to the point, and we're, we've all been to the point, and many of us have been to the point where the only help, the only refuge is the Lord. He's the only one that can help in our time of need. He's the only one that can help in the day of crossing the River Jordan. And so, my God, I want you to know that I have confidence that he hears me in the midst of the crowd. He hears me in the midst of my personal confusion. He helps me. He's a friend of the friendless. He's the father to the fatherless. But then I want you to notice, thirdly, the Bible says, verse 14 again, 1 John 5, and this is the confidence that we, if we have, that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And then it goes on to say again, the latter part of verse 15, we know that we have the petitions or the request granted that we desired of him. I want you to notice that thirdly, different than just he hears me, but not only does he help me, but he heeds me. Now, I'm not being sacrilegious. God is not the genie in the bottle. God is not at our beck and command to do what we order him to do. Don't misunderstand. But he heeds me. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, let me start it. Let me start the first three phrases, see if you can finish it. Ask, and it shall be what? Given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, I didn't say it. Jesus Christ said it. He went on to say, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and everyone that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh, it shall be open unto him. Again, I'd be careful and I'll be stealth in my illustration on purpose. I'm thinking of some folks, I'll go just I'll zero in a little bit close, but not too close. 
Some folks are from Torrington, like many here are, of course. I am as well. The big town. And uh, I've dealt with them. I've dealt with this party, I'll just say it that way. I think my proper guesstimation or estimation is that they're, they're upset at God right now. Because God is not answering their prayer. And they've even as much as said so. Why doesn't he answer my prayer? As kind as I can be, and I haven't said this to them, but I'm not even sure if they're truly his children. There are some conditions that must be met in order for God to heed our prayer. The Bible tells us, first of all, letter A on our worksheet, God heeds me if I meet the condition of being his child. Just a quick sidebar that needs to be run. It's amazing to me. We have people crying about, it was 1,200 children, then it was 1,000 children, then it was 100 children. Now it's down to just a handful of children. And there's certain parts of our news media that are just so, just, so just disgusted and destroyed that some children are being separated from their parents. And they're not even American citizens. And I thought, what about the million, 500,000, million and a half incarcerated Americans in prison that are citizens of this country that have, they're separated from their children. Where's the outcry about that? It's he, we, are you his child? In Luke chapter 11, I was going to have you turn there, but let me just read the verses here. They're familiar to most of you here in this room. The Bible says that his disciples, and I paraphrase verse one, that his disciples came to the Lord and said, teach us to pray. And the Lord said in verse number three of verse two of Luke 11, when ye pray, say, our father, our father, is he your father or is he not your father? Now there's a wrong doctrine, there's a false uh, uh, damnable doctrine called the brotherhood of man or the fatherhood of God, that God is the father to us all. That God is the creator to us all, but he's not the father of us all. He gave us life, that's true. But we must be born into his family. He must be adopted into his family. That's Bible 101. Not everyone here, you are not, he, he is not your, you're not his child and he is not your father if you've not been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've never confessed and asked Christ to come to your heart and save you. I don't care how many years you've been a member of Harvest Baptist Church, that won't get you to heaven. I don't care if I baptized you or another preacher baptized you, that won't get you to heaven. You get to heaven by receiving Jesus as your savior by being born again. And all God's people said, Amen. I know this is, seems to me elementary to some of you, but it needs to be said. He heeds me. First of all, he, listen, I'll listen to your children. I'll listen to your grandchildren, but I'll really listen to my children. I'll really listen to my grandchildren. And now, now I don't really listen to my children. I got three sons-in-law to take care of my children now. Now I listen to my grandchildren and try to protect my grandchildren from their, their evil parents, but that's another story. <laughs> I'm his child, and he's my father, and I meet that condition. Secondly, there's a condition where you say, well, why doesn't he heed my prayer? Well, there's, you've got to meet the second condition, that, 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 uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, notice what it says there quickly. I turn my page in my Bible, and it says, but beloved... I'll tell you what it says in a minute here. 
there. It says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Do you meet the condition when my heart does not condemn me? I have a prayer. Let me just, you know, I got certain sins that are besetting sins on a regular basis. I have this prayer, for example. And I, I'm not, you know, I, I wrestle with this. I'm still waiting for some, one of you to come through and grant this prayer for me. Do you ever pray this prayer? I, I honestly pray this a lot. A lot. Lord, give me a million dollars. Amen. Now, I got to thinking about why stop there? You know, Lord, give me $10 million. Now, by the way, just, just I want to dig on some of you just for fun because I, I had somebody tell me, well, if the Lord could trust you with it, he'd give it to you. I believe the Lord could trust me with $10 million. Amen. I do. I don't care what you say. I believe you could trust me with $100 million. I believe that. Now, maybe you don't believe that. But I pray, the moment I pray, Lord, give us a million dollars, my heart kind of condemns me. Because the Lord said, we need to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Sufficient unto the evil is the, to the day is the evil thereof. God's able to take care of us this week. We need about $4,500 to come to the offering plate this week and every week to just make budget, not any extras. And when we fall below that magical number, I get a little nervous as pastor. God, we only did $3,000 this week. You know what the mortgage is. You know about that septic system just cost us. You know what the lights cost us. You know what the air conditioner cost us. God, don't you, let me remind you And next week or the week after, you know, God always takes care of us somehow. I don't know how it works. But I know for 33 years, he's taken care of us for 35 years. <laughs> they asked me after the service what I meant by that, but I know what I mean. See, do you meet the condition that when my heart does not condemn me, sometimes my heart condemns me, immediately I know I'm not praying in the will of God. Then letter C, quickly, letter C and D, I'll do these quickly. Do you meet the condition when I... Confess my sin. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, if I regard sin in my heart, help me out. The Lord, what? Do you know it? Will not hear me. I didn't say it again. God said it. 1 John 1, 7. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And our fellowship is broken with him. We don't have access to the throne of grace. Here's another one. It's a sister problem and condition that we don't talk about much because it's too, it's too close to home. First Peter 1 7, 3, 7, the last part of the verse says that your prayers be not hindered. And it's in the context when I am in a charitable relationship with my spouse. Now, Sonny and I never fight. Why are you laughing? We just have had a few tiffs. Oh, some would say a few hundred tips, but we never fight. We just have a few tips. And she knows, you know, there's some, there's some blessings to being a pastor. By the way, you Sunday school teachers, buy this one. This, there's a blessing of being a Sunday school teacher. And all you five Sunday school teachers out there, and all God's people said, amen. amen. It's, it's a blessing to be a Sunday school teacher. 
It's a blessing to be an usher at the house of God. It's a blessing to pray. It's a blessing to be in the nursery at Harvest Baptist Church. Can you hear me? Oh, no, they can't. I'm sorry. I just remembered. They... It's a blessing to be in the cry room and taking care of babies. I'm getting waves. Amen. It's a blessing. But here's the, here's the, you say, preacher, what are you talking about? It's hard to do God's work when you haven't been, you're not right with your spouse. I've told, my, I told Sonny on many occasions, and she knows, she says, you just want to get right with God because you've got to preach. I said, yes, you're right. I've got to preach. I need to be right with my wife. You're right. Forced opportunity to be right with God. The Bible says, when it's, let me get serious now, when spouses are at odds one with another, their prayers are hindered. I didn't say it. The Holy Spirit of God said it. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4, let not your son go down in your, upon your wrath. Get your, keep your count short. Stay right with God. That leads me to letter E and F quickly. Letter E, a fifth condition that needs to be met. We, we must abide in Christ. If ye abide in me, first, or John 15, 7. And my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Lastly, letter F, and this is the punchline. This is back to our verse here, back to verse 14 of chapter 5 of 1 John. Our prayers are not hindered as long as we meet this qualification. When I am centered in his will. You see, James says it this way, that we ask... We have not because we ask not because we ask amiss that we may consume it upon our own lust. And get this down, it's not on your worksheet, but it's a great truth. His will is infinitely better than our will. Even when we think our will is better than his. Did you ever stop and consider that Hezekiah prayed and he asked the Lord for his will to be done? He, the Lord, this prophet of God came to Hezekiah and he said, Set the house in order for you in three, three months, I think it is, you're going to die. Hezekiah cried and prayed, and the Lord said, okay, I'll give you your will. And in that 15 years, he birthed Manassas, the wickedest king of all of Israel. 55 years he reigned. Hezekiah got his will. There's choice within wills. God will give us our will. Now, he, he has a perfect will for us, and he... And it would be better for, that we say, not my will, as our perfect Savior said, not my will, but thy will be done. That's, the, that's the, sometimes called the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That we're centered in his will. Ephesians 5, 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Hey, we don't have... Uh, Kind of looking across the audience, I can get away saying this on a Sunday morning here. I think everybody, yeah, let me do a fast one. Yeah. You're all regulars, so I can say this here. I'm just being real transparent. For years, and I still am holding out for this, that God has his will to be done. I, I just seem to, I've prayed for the will of God to be done, that we might have our own fields of faith, memorial gardens, our own cemetery someday. I wanted to buy the land across the street. It was only a half million dollars for us to God. Well, somebody else came up with a half million dollars before we came up with it. And so it's been sold for a couple of months ago. I said, well, I guess that's not going to happen. How do you know it's not going to happen? It might happen. 
You say, preacher, you know something I don't know? No, I don't know anything. I just know that God's a great God and he can do anything he wants to. I don't know. But maybe, maybe it's not God's will. Maybe it's my will. I don't want to think it's my will. And I, I think it's a noble will. And I think it's a right, right will. But I think of the, we looked at it the other week and I'll just reference it fastly. Do you think there were a number of people in Nehemiah's day that prayed for those, during those 142 years, Lord, give us, it's your will that we build the walls again. It was God's will that the walls be built, but it was in his timing, in his day. That leads me to the fourth truth. He, you see, he hears me, he helps me, he heeds me. But Roman numeral number four, ultimately, we get this from verses 12 and 13 of our text when we talk about salvation. He heals me. The greatest healing is the healing that's found in salvation when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 3, He forgives all of our iniquities. He healeth all of our, you know, all of our diseases. Isaiah 53, 5 says that by His stripes we are healed. I want you to know that He heals us. And I, I left off with the Peggy. I never finished the illustration I wanted to give you of her. She said, Pastor, I just want to go home. I'm ready for heaven. Peggy, you've been saying that for 12 years since I've known you. God may not be ready for you right now. God may have you down here on earth for another several more years. And uh, I says, God may have some more, more for you to do. And God hears Peggy's prayer. Lord, I want to come home. I want to be with you. But mark this down. He heals us in his way in his day. You see, he hears our petitions immediately. And he either answers Yes, no, or wait. The Bible says in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul was in prison when he wrote that. And, uh, but he said in verse 11, eight verses earlier, he said, having, he said, uh, I've learned whatsoever city I am in therewith to be content. It's okay. God will heal his in his time, in his way, and in his day, not our day. I was a little jealous. I just want to give a praise to the Lord and then a oh me. So I talked to Pastor Gil Tartaglino this past week. And we talk usually once a week, just on the phone for a few minutes, sometimes two or three times a week. And Lighthouse Baptist Church in Waterbury, next month they make their last mortgage payment on their property. Said, You've got to be kidding me. You're going to be debt-free? I said, woo! I said, you're going to have a mortgage-burning party? He says, I never, never thought about that. I said, man, I would. Then I was thinking, how much we owe? And I said, oh, Lord, help us. The Lord help us, helped us all these years. What do you think? You think we'll make our mortgage payment next month? What do you think? Yes. I think we'll make it. If two months from now, what do you think? You think we'll make it? I, I kind of think we'll make it. You say, well, yeah, the crowd is big enough and the offerings are pretty consistent. We'll make it. No, God is our help. In his day, in his way, he'll take care of us. And by the way, he meets our needs, not our greeds. Give us this day our daily bread, not our lifely bread, our yearly bread. Wouldn't it be nice to just have like, you, you pick the number. I won't, I won't spoon feed you. Just X amount of dollars to take care of you, take you care of you for the rest of your life. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
God is able to take care of us his way and his, his needs and, and in his timing. He meets our needs, not our greeds. And let there be, lastly, an illustration, and we'll get our punchline and be done. His grace is sufficient to run the race. His grace is sufficient to run the race. Pardon, Pastor Parmar, for me, you're using you, maybe overusing you in an illustration. And I'm sorry if I get a little too personal. But we've been praying for years together, him and I. We prayed yesterday. And uh, I always ask the same dumb question. How are your headaches? Kind of, hmm. And uh, he, he may be a great prayer warrior, but he's also a great liar because he says, oh, fine, no problem. <laughs> Something like that. I know, I can tell by his facial expression what the real truth is. God's, for some reason, allowing those headaches. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 12, didn't he? And he, he sought the Lord three times, three serious times, to remove it. And the Lord said what? My grace is what? Sufficient for thee. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh, this, this power. There's the power and blessing and confidence of prayer. He hears me. He heeds me. He helps me. He heals me. I close with an illustration and I'll give you the punchline of our, our truth to know. We, uh, and I have to be elusive on purpose again. A lot of my illustrations, I have to on purpose be vague. And so again, here we go. But Sonny and I have a relative. I won't say if it's on her side of the family or my side of the family. We have some relatives that are very immediate, sibling. And one of the siblings is married to a person that claims to be an atheist. We're probably going to see them here before the year is out. We don't see them very often at all. And I hardly ever reference them. But uh, we tried to witness on several occasions. Every few years we get an opportunity to just kind of... And uh, the last time Sonny tried to make a witness and basically they shut her down royally. They said, we don't want to hear nothing about your God. Just leave your religion to yourself, please. We'd appreciate that. Now this person is dying. They're an atheist. The other spouse is not much better. They claim to be once upon a time a believer in God and a believer in Christ. But they're asking the question, where is God? He's not answering our prayers. Sonny, we mentioned, mentioned this to me again just the other day. And my first initial response, well, tell him, and I almost came out of my, the word someone came out of my mouth, tell him we'll pray for him. And then I realized, no, don't, don't tell them. They, they, they would be very highly offensive. They don't want us to pray for them because they don't even believe in the God that we believe in. You know, they leave us kind of, what, what can we do? We can't pray for them. We're trying to be gentlemanly or, you know, gracious, and we don't want to offend them. They don't have a father to pray to. They don't have a helper to help them from heaven. They don't want to know them. They hate them. And what are we going to do? Pray for them? We can pray for their salvation. Pray that the Lord will open their eyes before it's too late. But they'll get what they have desired. 
And it just dawned on me. Let's go to the thought to know. Can you put it on the screen? Hopefully it's there. Thank you. I confidently know that, that prayer is a mighty instrument. Not to let God's will done in heaven or be done in heaven, but for get, getting God's will done on earth. His will is always done in heaven. His will ultimately is done on earth. Eventually, yea, God be true, but every man a liar. But God wants us to, to thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven as, all, as on earth as it is in heaven. God is there to help us. He's there to heal us, to hear us, or pardon me, to, to, to hear us, help us, heed us, and to heal me. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that if he hear us, that we have the, we, uh, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. God hears me, God heeds me, and God heals me. God bless Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the power of prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes our will to your will. It's that we might get in line with what you have ordained, dear God. We pray as our Savior, nevertheless not my will, but thy will be done. We pray that you would be glorified. We pray, Lord, that we thank you that we have a God that we come boldly to in our time of need, in our help, in our hour of need that one day you'll heal us by the world calls of death, but Lord, to be healed from this body and to be receiving an immortal, everlasting body, we thank you and look forward to that day. Lord, bless our senior saints. We think of Peggy, especially this morning, and pray a prayer blessing upon her. Maybe those that are closer than her or us, Lord, to meeting you, and we'll thank you for it. Lord, have your will and way now in our midst. Have thine own way in our hearts and lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand, let's take that hymn book and turn to that famous hymn, 155.